Hello world, very excited today. I am joined in the studio with one of my favorite people, one of our veteran entrepreneurs, Miss Love Hudson Maggio, and we're going to have a fantastic conversation today around several of the topics in marketing and advertising and just working with your client base to generate more sales. And uh, how you feeling today, Love? I'm good. Thanks for um, inviting me to join you. Yeah, and I think this is going to be an exciting day, so if those topics uh, tickle your fancies, Tune in to this next episode of the Sales Synergistics Podcast. I'm here, as I said, with Love Hudson Maggio. How you doing? I'm good, thanks. Good, good, good. Listen, um, I know a lot about you. Very impressed with your resume, but a lot of people don't. I also know you're really humble, so you don't really brag. So for the world, I'd love for you to brag a little bit about the things you've done. So tell us about what you do and just the last couple of months of the things you've been doing. You've been invited all over the country to do a lot of big things. So just name drop a few of those things so we can make sure people know the value of what they're getting on the call today. Um, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'll do my best. I so, I have about 19 years of experience in marketing and marketing technology um, with an emphasis on data and management of data. Uh, I feel like data is at the core of everything we do. Um, it just helps us understand uh, the value and, and, and why we're doing it and what we're doing and how we're spending our money. So, to that point, I've held executive positions. Um, at Salesforce, at IHG, Intercon Hotels Group, um, at Cox, and I've enjoyed those experiences in addition to working uh, for DoubleClick Google and Turner, CNN. It's been a lot of fun, but I wanted to branch out and do my own thing. So myself and a co-founder, uh, Robert Maggio, we started up MARDAP, which stands for Marketing Data or marketing and data, because we believe there's a marriage between the two of them. And we have been helping global um, customers with their data and marketing needs. Traveling um, to London back in the summer to talk on a committee around GDPR and how brands are looking at GDPR as a brand differentiator, as well as in New York, Florida, I'm constantly asked to talk about things like the dangers and the benefits of social media, how we are allowing our data to be used, and I am a person who is definitely pro-technology. Um, I've worked for a lot of the big companies. I'm vendor agnostic at this point, so I can speak pretty candidly without yeah. having to um, sell any particular brand, but I'm also for um, people to know how they're sharing their data and the benefit of that. And also just to let um, brand marketers and publishers understand the, the best way to get in front of the customer yeah. in, a, in, in a good way. Yeah, I'll, I'll brag on you a little bit more as well. You're also being a military veteran, you are um, here as part of our Veterans in Resident cohort here uh, representing the Bunker Labs community that we also uh, share time in. One of only 10 people from... Uh, 50 plus applicants that were chosen to be hosted here at WeWork for the 
the past six months, and uh, that's been going pretty well for you. Is that right? Absolutely. And actually, I am a veteran's wife. So my husband served in the Air Force. I'm very proud of him, and I love being a part of this community. Very warm and inviting. So thank you. Yeah, it's an interesting choice of words you said there, that you and your co-founder uh, noticed that there was a marriage between data and marketing, and uh, there happens to be a marriage between the two of you as well. <laughs> yes, and, and I, I didn't know whether we were going to talk about that or not, but since we're doing it, yes, um, myself and the co-founder, we are married. What was interesting is when we decided to do this business, um, we always knew there was some interesting connections between the work we did. He focused more on data management and, you know, basically helping large corporations at, you know, places like Coke, mm-hmm. um, General Electric, uh, in his time as a consultant at um, Booz Allen, helping them uh, understand the value of their data mm-hmm. and being able to make that data generate money for them, you know, seeing that ROI on that. And my job in marketing and marketing technology was to help brands as well as publishers understand the value of what they had um, and get in front of that customer with that personalization um, in a a way that is, um, you know, compliant with privacy guidelines, CCPA, CPREA, GDPR and all those other acronyms that you hear all the time. The whole alphabet. Yes. Rules and regulations. It's a minefield out there, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. So that's been my role. And so when we decided to start this business together, um, we saw that there was definitely some synergies there. And it's worked out really wonderful for us um, pretty much just from the beginning, uh, able to to get customers right out the bat. And it's been, it's been a great to um, be an entrepreneur and to be a part of the Bunker Labs community. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you gave us all that background. That's important because uh, as we talked about before when we set up the call, I was very interested in you being here because you cover several of the topics that we're focused on here at Sales Synergistics. Uh, You've got the large corporate background and most of the stuff that we do here at Sales Synergistics is focused around larger enterprise, right? The individuals or the organizations that need to find that fusion between sales, marketing, and operations. And also, when we look at the actual core competencies inside of our curriculum, the stuff that you've touched, having come through the marketing channels, you definitely have an aspect of the mass marketing, but you also did a lot of work to help make sure that people are marketing internally to their existing client base for the advocacy marketing that we teach. And for those of y'all that are familiar, the other five rings, uh, we also include the uh, affiliate marketing, direct marketing that people are doing, and content marketing, which is also a tough topic you touch. So you've got lots of experience in all of those. So just based on that, as a start to our conversation, you know, in that aspect of mass marketing and the things that you did for those larger brands, what kinds of things did you see as trends uh, in, in this current stage of, of mass marketing that really kind of informed the stuff and the work that you did? And we'll just let it flow from there. Okay, so trends. So I would say trends are key elements. Mm. Um, I think the very first thing is communication. Mm. Um, when things break down, it's around that fragmentation of what are we doing? Mm-hmm. And that always starts with having communications within the organization so things aren't siloed and everybody's on the same page, singing from the same um, sheet of music, so to speak. So when marketing doesn't quite know 
what the CRM team or the IT team is doing and finance doesn't understand what procurement is doing and then someone in EU doesn't understand what they're doing um, in Asia, then there's a breakdown. So it's important within marketing organizations um, and the organization at large to have that strong communication and bring each other along for the ride. Mm -hmm. Help people understand why do they care, what's in it for me. Um, so I think you're seeing more in a lot of the bigger organizations. I bas I ran Global Programmatic. I stood up Programmatic Marketing for Intercon Hotels for all nine brands. And one of the things that I noticed right away is when you bring people along for the, the conversation, you learn more. Mm -hmm. You understand how they define a customer. You understand how they define the metrics and what ROI looks like for them. Mm -hmm. And if you're already dealing with the same customer, you guys have the same goal, it's important to go along for the ride, encourage and help each other um, not to get in the way of progress because at the end of the day, you have the same goals. Yeah. And bringing people along is, is part of that. So communication, I think, is the first thing. The second thing is transparency. Um, being transparent uh, internally as well as being transparent with your customers. So that feedback conversation with your customers so they understand how you're using your da the data, they understand that they do have a voice in the products that you create on their behalf and that you understand why they want these products and the price points that they're willing to um, pay for those products. Mm. And then I think the third one is um, innovation, uh, being able to, to move with the trends, um, having things available that people want in, you know, in their use hotels, um, having that in their hotel experience. What are people's pain points? Understanding that and, and, and leveraging that and having whatever technology or cool new thing or old thing um, mm -hmm. there for them. Yeah, I got to tell you, the, the innovation part jumps out at you. That's obvious, right? I think that marketing is one of those divisions in the companies where people are excited to be at the bleeding edge, right? You know, the guys in operations tend to want to find things that are tried and true and dependable, stable, so they, they don't want to change often, but marketing does seem to have that appetite for technology. And we can always think about, you know, why it's important for communication, right? Brand and logos and, and the brand story taglines need to match from one field to the other, from one territory to the other. And a lot of times that doesn't happen. So we get the needs for those things. What was so important about transparency, right? That that access, letting the customer see behind the veil or, or know that their voice was heard and internal transparency. What, what was the value of that? Because I think a lot of people who are, aren't in that kind of business don't necessarily know how important transparency is. I think transparency probably is one of the, the biggest things, um, especially with consumers. They have choices. They don't have to buy your product. There's a lot of other options for their goods and services. So you have to be thinking with a customer-centric lens. And part of that is kind of letting them see how the sausage is made. You know, you don't want to bore them with all the details. But when it comes from um, creation of the product, you don't want to create something in a vacuum where you're not getting that feedback. You have some some brands, and I have managed Fortune 500 brands um, in my work at Salesforce as the director of customer success. I was basically the ROI strategist, aka ROI strategist. I spent money. How do I make money? That's at the end of the day. That was my role. Mm -hmm. So what I found with some of the very large companies, the very big brands, some of the biggest brands in the world, um, sometimes they lose focus on what the customer really wants. They've gotten used to the customer buying their product. Maybe the customer's gotten used to buying the product. Mm -hmm. And things have come along on the market that um, the Internet has made more accessible. 
so for example, say you're selling, and I'll just make up something. I'm not going to call a particular customer out, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, say you're selling syrup or jellies or um, some type of uh, cheese, something basic mm-hmm. that people have been using. It's not fundamentally different. There's a lot of different variations on the market or soap or whatever. Um, there are a lot of artisan brands that are popping up on the market. Amazon Marketplace makes it very easy for a very small brand to make very large traction. And so if you are not listening to your customers and what they want from the soap to the hair product to the cheese to the spread, you're going to lose that customer. You can't think just because they've done business with you in the past, they're going to do it again. So that's how being transparent with the customer, letting them know how you're using their data, letting them understand how you develop your product, what goes into the product. People are more health conscious now on the things they put in their body, on their body, um, give to their pets across the board. You have to be able to let them know a little bit about how the sausage is made and then get that feedback from them on you know what do they want to see more and then let them know what you're developing let them know if you've made a mistake you know yeah. a lot of people were afraid to tell a customer hey you know we developed this product and it just wasn't that good right or we developed this um, product and we didn't really listen you know you'd be surprised customers want to hear that candid conversation they're very forgiving if they understand what's going on when they don't understand what's going on is when they start questioning motives of brands right and we talked about uh all those different topics these trends around your your mass marketing marketing strategy everything that you talked about was leaning towards working as a team more than anything you know breaking down the silos getting everybody around the same table and so the communication and transparency is important there internally as well right because the different teams and the different silos you got a cold war going on sometimes they don't really want to understand your perspective unless you let them you know, see what's going on behind closed doors, what's going on in the marketing sphere, what's going on in the finance sphere that's driving all the limitations and the changes. Is that something that you have to deal with, too, when you're consulting with companies, helping them to break down those walls and get people talking that way? I mean, I've experienced it as a consultant in my own business. I've experienced it working for, um, you know, SaaS companies like Salesforce, um, implementing things like Adobe, uh, as well as, um, you know, from the side of being the vendor or being the customer. And it's almost, it reminds me of the potato sack race. Um, I have a, a toddler and he did the potato sack race with his best friend. And, you know, they didn't go that far. It wasn't even 50 meters. And they, they had to realize they had to work together to get, you know, across the finish line. And they were laughing and they were having a good time and falling over and getting back up. But the, the individuals who kind of really focused on like, okay, we're going to go in this direction, they did well. And the ones that were like, you know, no, we're going to go this way. And there was a little bit of a tug of war or, or kind of a power struggle or confusion. Um, they didn't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think it's a little bit of that. You have to, you know, be singing from the same sheet of music. You have to have that communication. You have to be transparent on your your goals. And I think even internally, you know, um, we we fail to to open up to each other in the different silos and say, hey, listen, at the end of the day, you know, I'm in marketing. I got to hit X number. I'm trying to, I want you to come along and understand how I'm doing it. Maybe there's an opportunity next time for me to, to help you, or maybe you can use this data to, to help, you know, do something that you're trying to do. But at the end of the day, this is what I have to get done. Hmm. And, um, and we have to use the best tools at our disposal to do that. And we have to be, you know, cutting edge, sometimes bleeding edge um, with our customers to offer something new. I'm curious about that. It sounds like 
that type of transparency, transparency and that type of communication is a lot for some people in their own different roles to have to do. Um, you know, you have to do what you're doing and what you're focused on well. But getting everybody else to understand it, is that everybody's job? Or does that fall onto the leadership to make sure that that communication happens? That's a good question. I feel like it's difficult to have an organization that has transparency if it's not coming from the, the leader. If you have, and I've been in organizations um, in my career where, um, or divisions of organizations, let me say that. It's been more of a division of an organization where um, leadership thought they could get more out of people by having people be um, competitive. It, it never works out. It seems like you're getting some positive strides as everybody's trying to best the other person. Um, but long term, it's always a deterioration of morale. You lose people, the retention. It's not a good culture. People feel like I can't get ahead unless I, you know, tear you down. Um, and that's not everybody's personality trait. Most of us want to be cooperative. We want to go into an environment where we can win and we can have fun and have some laughs and we can make some friends or at least have a warm environment. Um, so it's kind of counterproductive to the culture. But if you don't have that strong leadership that's encouraging that or making that be a prerequisite for the hire and the, um, the maintenance of their employees, because, you know, at the end of the day, it has to come from the top. All of these changes and all these innovations um, have to come from the top. If the, the leader isn't, you know, innovative, they want to do the same old thing they did, you know, 20 years ago because it worked 20 years ago, mm-hmm. you're not moving forward. If they're not transparent and letting you guys know when things are um, doing well and when things are not doing so well and not kind of finding out things aren't doing so well when there's a layoff, there's a mistrust there. And if they're not communicating um, beyond their directs, that's not good either. I mean, how many of us have sat in, um, you know, town halls for two, three hours and we had other <laughs> things to do or we had to listen to the, you know, the, the audio tape of, of what's going on and we're just kind of tuned out um, because we're like, oh, yeah, they're talking, but they're not really saying anything. Right. So it does have to come from the leadership. But I also think leadership is is you as an individual showing up and you're the leader of what you're working on. So you also have to have those same attributes and you have to show up in that manner too. you know what be the change you want to see right right so well again that's one of those things that i'm finding out is is kind of counterintuitive people who are in leadership and they want these results they're driving results they don't necessarily think about transparency and internal communication they think uh well they don't express it this way but again it's not a top priority because these silos these walls this competitive internal environment has been that way for so long, they don't really have the motivation to put that at the top of their priority list. And, you know, I'm always trying to find a way to to promote uh, that as a goal, to get that synergy. It's, again, it's the name of the company. What are you seeing work as a North Star, as some reason why senior leadership should focus on fostering that culture of communication and transparency? Like, what do you feel should be there? their driving reason for wanting people to uh, communicate better and collaborate better. I mean, at the end of the, the, the day, it's all around revenue, right? Um, the ROI is going to drive the story, and that's the end goal of what you want is the ROI. You want the revenue. You want it honestly. You want to feel good about what you sold. You want to feel that um, 
you know, as a consumer, you would have purchased it or you would encourage someone else to, to purchase it. You want to go home feeling good. You know, you want to make money, but you also want to feel good about it. I do think leaders have a challenge in this market that there's so much competition and there's so many things kind of hitting them from all the different sides. It's easy to lose focus on some of those softer, you know, you know, EQ type of right. uh, things that I'm talking about. It feels real soft and, and squishy, very Montessori school-like. <laughs> um, you know, I love going into my son's classroom and seeing them working together in their little, you know, Montessori units and, you know, pulling the dinosaurs out and coloring and some kids doing something else. And you can walk from station to station and it's really interactive. I think we all love that environment and it feels very good. But, you know, the toddlers don't have anywhere to go, right? They don't have, you know, a number they have to hit this quarter. Um, and so they can feel warm and fuzzy and then lay down on their mats and take a nap and eat a nice organic lunch and play in the back. But although that seems like that's, you know, kids play, I think we all intrinsically <coughs> want that as a part of our experience. So mm-hmm. um, leaders want that as well. They want you to be happy to be there. Um, nobody mm-hmm. wants to drive someone um, in, a, in a way that's uncomfortable. They'd rather encourage you and give you the tools and resources to get it done. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they're experiencing pressure from higher up and they have to hold some of the things back so they can't be as transparent as they want. Right. They want to innovate, but then there's a cost to that. And can they afford it at the right, time? Right. They want to communicate, but guess what? They don't have time to talk to everybody, right? So they have to pick these forms that sometimes feel artificial, um, so it, there's, I, I understand the challenge. I've been there where I've had to lead, um, a division and actually stand up a division, um, programmatic at IHG and, and digital, um, at, at Cox when you're a trendsetter and, and you're trying to burn, burn the path forward. You know, sometimes you got to do a little push and you want everybody to, to hold hands and come mm-hmm. through it together, but sometimes you got to push and nudge and some people fall behind and that doesn't feel really good. Um, and at the end of the day, the company sees the ROI. They're like, well, you, you made us some money, so that's good, yeah. even though you may not feel so great. Yeah. I really love the, the visual you made about the, the kids' classroom, you know, that warm and fuzzy. When you get down to it, this is a buzzword right now. People talk about corporate culture. Mm-hmm. They talk about culture all the time, but it's almost a throwaway term now that people don't uh, devote enough time to it. But that culture of collaboration, if the collaboration and that synergy is all going towards revenue. That's the one thing that makes sense to everybody. And uh, I, I really like the way that you, you surface that as the important thing. Uh, a lot of times uh, you hear platitudes from the C-suite, people talking about, oh, customer satisfaction and customer experience and all these other kind of soft and squishy things. But when you get down to it, everybody in the company cares about revenue. And if you can kind of make that revenue the driver, then everybody should kind of unify around that rallying cry. I mean, I've worked for um, organizations where they say customer, um, well, employee satisfaction is important to them and they want 100% um, uh, response rate on the surveys. Mm -hmm. And they push for that and they offer things like pizza parties and incentives and gift cards and bullying, whatever they need to um, to get those. But the way they're kind of set up to be a tad bit rigged in that you are told this anonymous, so you don't have to put your name on it necessarily. But when your manager knows they have 25 employees and they can tell from the feedback who's what and what's being said, 
then you're not anonymous. And when you are having to call someone out and say, hey, John, I noticed that in the survey you did X, Y, and Z. And it all ties back to your bonus number, right? right. Like if your customer said, if your employee satisfaction scores on your team don't align with a certain number, then you don't get a certain bonus. And so you're going to have some interesting ways of getting people to give you a employee or customer response that's not authentic. So if you add authenticity to this, then it's not just about innovation and transparency and communication, but being authentic in your voice. So when you are talking to people, you are actually being honest about the words that are coming out of your mouth. And if you cannot, you say less. Um, If you cannot be transparent to the level that you want, be transparent to the level you can and make sure that that is clear and concise. And if you can't share, you you know, and you feel like the need to tell them, look, this is proprietary or this is, you know, our, whatever. I, I really can't speak to it or we haven't rolled this out yet. So it's premature. You yeah. know, just let people know that people are really understanding. But when you just blow them off like, well, or they don't need to know. I like to get in front of communication. Mm-hmm. I think about myself. What questions would I ask? And I just go and answer those questions. And I've literally sat down in front of customers. And employees and said, this is the question you should ask. Mm-hmm. I'm going to help you. So here are a couple things that you should probably think about. Um, they're like, yeah, I didn't even think about that one. But I'm thinking ahead to if I were them sitting on the other side of the table, either they're too shy to ask or they didn't think of it yet. I'm going to jump ahead. And you may not cover off on everything. But if you do that a couple times, yeah. people realize, look, you know what? They're not trying to hide anything from me. They're telling me the most they can. That's a powerful technique, man. I've used that in a room before, too, uh, using the phrase. A lot of times, other customers ask about this. Here's some of the other concerns some customers have had in the past, and you can surface those things in advance. Uh, what's thrilling to me about this conversation is where we talked about trends in mass marketing, and everything spiraled back down into the leadership and the culture of the organization. It's as if all of those walls and silos are, are blending together, and it really comes down to the type of organizational culture you have that's going to drive the effectiveness of your marketing and your outreach, not just the way you communicate to your customers, but the way everybody communicates with each other. And that's really the big push for making your mass marketing and your general marketing efforts effective. Is that the big sum up from this this whole topic of conversation we've been on so far? Yeah, I would, I would agree with all of that. Um, you know, you're going to see many articles that say the top 10 trends and these are 20 things to do or here's mm-hmm. five things to do. And it's, you know, you know, all of these little tidbits for you to memorize and keep in your head. But at the end of the day, um, I think it is the culture. I think um, we as individuals that work within a group or organization or on our own, we got to always check in um, to our core and make sure that as an individual that we're doing our best um, to hold up to those values as well. I mean, a lot of times we'll say, well, the organization did this and my boss said that and the customer did that. But at the end of the day, can you say that you held those values that you espouse? Um, because at the end of the day, you're all a part of the, the change. So um, I do think you have to be the change you seek. So if there's something within your organization or your group or your customer experience that's not optimal, I think the very first thing is to kind of focus on, you know, yourself and how you're presenting it. Because at the end of the day, you you want to, to be authentic. You want to communicate and you want to offer a product and a service that people actually want. Because you want someone to do that to you. It's all a cycle. Amen. I love it. Love, this has been a fantastic conversation. And I don't know if you were aware, but just sitting here having this conversation today, 
you are actually doing some good for the world. You see, this conversation is going to be archived as part of the Podcast World Tour. And what we didn't talk about is that the Podcast World Tour is a first-year awareness campaign on behalf of Georgia's Auditory Verbal Center. And what they do is they help young children uh, as young as two years old who are deaf, can never hear, helps them with technologies and therapies to live in a hearing world with no hearing aids, uh, with, with no uh, sign language, no lip reading. They can live in a hearing world for the very first time, and you've become a part of that now. How do you feel about supporting that cause? That's amazing. I mean, you know, kids, of course, you know, I have I have kids of my own, and, and that's super important, and it sounds like these kids have some unique um, needs, and if this helps in any way, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. Thank you. Well, great. No, please just spread the word, let people know about it, and I want to make sure we have more conversation. We didn't even scratch the surface. So there's so much more we want to talk about. We'll have you on again real soon. How's that sound? Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, love. And I appreciate it, everyone, for taking the time to tune in. We'll see you next time on the Sales Synergistics Podcast. Thank you.